The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. A report from the Economic and Social Research Institute, the SRI, reveals that Ireland has one of the largest gaps in home ownership between those over 40. 80% of those homeowners and those under 40, barely a third. Now, the country ranks second highest for that gap out of 15 European nations, with Greece having the widest divide. Despite being broadly comparable in affordability with other Western European countries, Ireland faces housing market challenges with demand always, it seems, surpassing supply and prices rising faster than incomes in both ownership and rental markets. Now, I'm joined by a secondary school teacher, and by Assistant Professor in Social Policy at Maynooth University and author of The Housing Shock, Dr Rory Hearn. Good morning and welcome to you both. We'll go to you, Aoife, first because uh, you're in that cohort of the under 40s who'd love to have a house uh, but finding it, um, you know, moving beyond. Uh, Tell me, what is your experience, Aoife? Hi, Pat. Um, My experience was just um, renting. For the first part of my career, I was renting for about seven years in Arklow, just at the bottom of Wicklow. And I unfortunately got evicted at the end of May. I knew I would be evicted um, since last October, and I have looked for somewhere else to rent around the vicinity. I, as a single person with a teacher's income, which is not the greatest income in the world, it's not the worst income in the world, couldn't find anywhere that I could afford to rent. Um, I looked for small houses, one-bedroom apartments. They just weren't there. Um, I just took a quick look at Daft this morning. I try not to because it just disheartens me. There's about four properties up for rent in Arkle at the moment, and the the cheapest one being 1600 a month, which I, I can't afford as a single person and as a teacher. Yeah. Um, so what have you so done? Um, I had to move back with my parents. Um, there's five adults in a tiny detached um, house in Bray at the moment. My sister just had a baby, so it's really not the the best um, situation for all of us. I'm hoping to find somewhere, um, or at this point, I'm thinking of trying to buy a house again. There's difficulties facing or having to try and buy houses as well. But that's where what I'm going to have to do at this point, Pat, because I don't really have anywhere to stay at the moment. Now, I'm sure you've investigated all the government programmes to help uh, first-time buyers, but still, buying a house on your own with one income is a huge challenge in this economy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the government have come out and, and have they have the first um, uh, the first home scheme and the buyer scheme, but they only pertain to new builds. And I think that's something that most people don't know. I am not in a financial position to be able to afford a new build, so I can't avail of those schemes. So I really don't know who those schemes are aimed at. Um, I can only afford, um, you know, an older house. I tried to buy a house down past Enniscorthy um, before Christmas. It was a cheap house. There was a lot of work to be done in it, but I could financially afford it. Um, And the bank who has... Uh, approved me for a mortgage said no we actually are not going to support you in buying that house because I had to show upfront funds that I would be able to do up that house and I don't have that either so I I can't I'm not in a position to buy a new build and I'm not in a position to buy an older house so there's like you said there's this gap in the market yeah I mean the the fixer-upper that uh, you wanted to, to buy and the bank said no uh, clearly, you want to do this, uh, as many of us did with our first homes, you do them up over a period. You don't go in and renovate the whole thing. 
absolutely. And that was, I, I was unable to do that. Maybe I was very naive. I thought I could do exactly that, Pat. And the bank said, no, no, you need to show us up front, up front funds to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And this house was not falling down. It was a perfectly good house. It was an older house. And that would be the only one that I would be financially able to afford. And they said no. So I really don't know what other people with less of an income than me can do. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, if you did buy that house, uh, there would be the possibility of extra income from tax-free income from the rent-a-room scheme. Um, did you talk to the bank about that, saying, hang on a second, you know, I can get 14 grand a year from uh, someone who's going to rent a room from me, and that makes my financial position uh, much more viable? Um, I had floated that idea, but there was like work to be done in the house and I wouldn't feel comfortable bringing someone in <laughs> to, to do up the kitchen while they were there. That was one of the problems. Again, if you would invest yeah. in a property that maybe was in better repair than that, it absolutely would. What I would say about the rent room um, for the renter, they have very little protection. I mean, if you're renting out a room as a, a landlord, you don't have to be registered with the RTB. Yeah. So that person who's coming into your house has very little protection. They could be ousted at any moment. And just as someone who believes in worker rights, I just don't believe, I think there should be more protection for people who go in renting a room. Equally, I looked at renting a room in our clubhouse. Um, a lot of them, well, one particular one, they wanted 800 a month, and I was particularly just confined to that room. And I was allowed to use the kitchen at certain times for 800 euro a month. Yeah, and at this stage yeah. in your life, that's not really what you're looking for. It's not. I mean, again, beggars can't be choosers. Um, they equally weren't happy that I would have a dog. That's been an uh, obstacle as well. But a lot of them, uh, they want you out during the weekend as well. Uh, do you know, it's not yeah. a rental room. It's, it's, it's extortion. Yeah, and, and maybe there, there should be, you know, more rules and regulations about the rental room situation. The idea that yeah. you're only renting it for five nights. In other words, you come back from wherever you go at the weekend on a Sunday night and you can stay there till Friday, but they want you out Friday night and Saturday night. Um, that should not, in my mind, qualify for the rental room tax break. It shouldn't. And I, I haven't looked into it that it's explicit there, but a lot of them I have met up with, seen the apartment or seen the room. They said, oh, by the by, I don't want you here. Mm. Um, and I, I have nowhere to go. Like I teach and I work in Arkla. Where would I go to? Now, one of the things you might do, I suppose, is partner up with somebody and, you know, not romantically partner up with them, but just financially partner up with them and, and try and get a, a loan on something that you'd both own. And then when the economic climate improves, when everything improves, maybe going forward, then you might part the ways, uh, you know, when a second property could be purchased and decide who gets what. Did you investigate that at all? I did. I looked into maybe buying a property um, with my sister, um, but my one of my sisters lives in London and the other sister lives in um, Bray, like I said. So that didn't really work, but it definitely was something that I thought of and I did float. Um, I know a few people who have done that, so fingers crossed, like you said, the the economic environment improves so that they could yeah. part ways and sell, but I am currently looking at trying to buy a small council house in Arklo. Um, I've got my deposit all um, ready. It's just that I think one of the obstacles that a lot of people face is getting the deposit. I had the benefit of working for seven years. I'm going into my eighth year teaching. So at least I had a small deposit, but I mean, I only need a small house. Yeah. 
So you're not thinking of uh, Dubai, Australia, uh, you know, far-flung fields to, to make serious money? I did think of it, Pat. Um, the only thing is my main passion and skill is I'm an um, immersion education teacher. I teach in the Gael Colossus in Arclow. So my main skill is being able to teach biology and chemistry through the means of Irish I don't know if there's much demand for that in Dubai and Australia. Um, I've also just completed a master's in um, immersion education with UL and MIC, so I, I'm really passionate about that. Again, if things don't work out, it is definitely um, an idea to go to Australia or Dubai maybe for a year. All right. Well, you know, many teachers who are recently qualified, and they'll think of going to these places first to build up a nest egg, and uh, that's an issue for the education system. It absolutely is. I mean, um, a lot of princes are saying that it's so hard to attract young people into the profession straight out because you can't pre- you can't promise them a job, you can't pr- promise them a permanent position. Why wouldn't they go off and build up a nest egg before they came back? Um, equally, they can't find anywhere to rent. And if you think of, you know, what people need, they just want somewhere to live that they're not going to get kicked out of. Um, you know, the whole eviction process really put me off wanting to rent again it's pretty horrific having to being kicked out of somewhere you called home and i don't want to put myself in a position that that will happen to me again and when you got your eviction notice was that because uh, the eviction ban was coming up uh, again there was a temporary eviction ban during the pandemic and then that uh, you know was continued and uh, you know did your landlord was your landlord happy with you and then just said hang on a second this could go on forever and I might never be able to sell my house or whatever uh, if this continues. I'm getting out. Is that what happened to you? Or uh, That's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. The landlord pertained that he was going to use the house, um, but he was very happy with me for seven years, eight years, the long- length I was there, and I got landed with an eviction notice just as um, the eviction ban lifted. Yeah, so that was another one of those unintended consequences of what goes on in the political arena. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I mean, some people did did foresee this. Um, It's equally harder to find somewhere to rent now because there's so many of us who have just been recently evicted and then rents go up more. Yeah. So I don't know really where there's an end to it. Uh, there's a text coming in. I've had two family members successfully buy through the county council first-time buyer scheme. A lot of people don't seem to know about these schemes. A lot less hassle than dealing with the banks. Is that something you came across? No, it isn't. I must write that down. Um, yep. Again, I'm very naive with these things. Yeah, there's so many schemes, you see, that people... Mm-hmm are entitled to be confused, I think, by all the different initiatives, uh, some of which have worked uh, for, you know, reasonable numbers of people and others which have not been taken up. So that's somewhere to go. Um, The house that you're looking at, is it currently owned by the county council or has it been sold to a a former tenant and that tenant is now attempting to sell it uh, on the open market? No, sorry, Pat. It's just it's an old um, council house built in the 1930s. Yeah, which is in private ownership now. Yeah. Okay. All right. So at some point there was a tenant purchase scheme that allowed the tenant uh, to buy it out. All right. Look, Eva, I'm sure your experience is resonating with uh, people who are in the under 40 age cohort all over the country. And thank you very much uh, for sharing it with us. That's uh, Eva Nicheleher, who is a secondary school teacher in Arklow. Now, listening to all of that, Rory Hearn, Assistant Professor in Social Policy at Maynooth University. Rory, good morning. 
Good morning, Pat. Now, this is a very typical story from IFA, and it always seems to go back to supply and demand, that we simply do not have enough supply to deal with the demand in at every level in the housing spectrum, whether it's, you know, the brand new bills, A-rated houses uh, that you buy virtually off the plans or second-hand houses or whatever. Absolutely, it is. And, you know, I've been highlighting it for well over six years now that this kind of collapse of home ownership amongst the younger generation was taking place. Um, and unfortunately, policymakers didn't listen to it. And in this question of supply and demand um, comes back to, well, what has policy been promoting? And housing policy since the crash has been promoting private rental. It, it hasn't been promoting home ownership or affordable home ownership until the very, very recent um, policy shifts in the last year or so. But largely what we've seen is, um, you know, the promotion of, as I've discussed with you many uh, times, the promotion of investor funds to provide the main supply of housing in the Dublin and greater Dublin area being these built to rent. So the supply has been rental supply. Um, And that has meant that in in one hand, you know, renters or people who are under 40 are looking to buy. They haven't been able to find anywhere to buy that's Mm. affordable. But the other thing is they've been stuck in this rent trap where rents have increased year after year. So they're seeing they can't save for a deposit um, and they haven't been able to buy. And really, like when we listen to Aoife's story, um, and I, you know, people are contacting me all the time with similar stories. When you have teachers, when you have nurses, when you have doctors, you know, key workers can't afford to buy a home. Um, like the social contract in Ireland is broken. It, it is utterly yeah. broken for their generation. And I describe it in my book, Gaffs, you know, as generation locked out and generation shafted. Like it's not an accident that we have arrived mm-hmm. here. It has been government policy. Yeah. And now, they have prioritised, and Pat, it's important to say, they have prioritised the existing owners of property and owners of multiple properties and investor funds over that generation who've Mm -hmm. needed a home. Because if they'd capped rents properly 10 years ago, if they'd built affordable housing year after year, we wouldn't be in this crisis. Now, the the two things, uh, obviously there are people who are attempting to buy houses now that would have been housed by the local authorities years ago. It was never expected that they could afford uh, a mortgage. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of, you know, people um, in, say, a bus driver, um, someone maybe in a a job that wasn't that well paid. They were never expected to get a mortgage. Now it seems they are expected to get a mortgage because there's no social housing. And if there's no social housing and the mortgage is unreachable, then they uh, end up in the private rental sector. And what happens there because of uh, income limits and so on? You end up getting HAP. Now... HAP, it seems to me, is a great contributor to the rise in overall rents. Absolutely. No, you're you're 100% right on that. And the research shows that. And even the, the Department of Finance, Department of Public Expenditure, sorry's own research also shows that, that HAP has contributed to increasing overall rents. And this is part of the policy origins of why we're here in this crisis is exactly that. Rather than building social housing in 
kind of the late 2000s um, and embedded in by um, Minister actually Alan Kelly when he was Minister for Housing in 2014, the housing assistance payment was this shift, this massive policy shift to no longer building council housing or social housing um, or affordable housing for all those kind of low and even average income earners. Um, but instead they would access, they would provide social housing through the private rental sector by giving people subsidies towards their rents. Yeah. But has has anyone done the sums, is- by the way, on uh, how much money has been spent on HAP since it was introduced? Because I have no doubt that it could have built block after block after block uh, of apartments yeah, with all that money. I, I, I did a specific research policy on that um, in 2017, that's six years ago, um, which was shared with the then Taoiseach uh, Leo Varadkar. And um, I estimated at that point that if we'd, using the money that we we're going to spend between 2017 and today, we would have built 50,000 permanent homes. It was in the region of 5 billion being spent on yeah. HAP. The problem is they would have had to abandon HAP at that point to have that money to build the houses and that would have been for so well, many well, people who depended on HAP that would have been a disaster. Well, well, they could have, I think, made a much more accelerated transition away from HAP. And I think that that is the point that we're still not building, even, you know, they're saying they're building social housing. It's being bought from the market, which is an issue as well, taking supply away from those who are looking to buy. But interesting in terms of EFA's story, there's a particular um, statistic in the ESRI research uh, report, which is well worth looking at today, which shows that in terms of single adult households in Ireland, we have the lowest number who are independent households under 40. Just 11% of those under 40 are single adult households in comparison to 40% in Europe. So what we're really seeing in Ireland is single households are completely squeezed out of both the affordable house or out of um, being able to buy a home and being able to rent a home. And this, of course, we're seeing this then in, for example, homelessness. You see a predominance of single people, particularly single men, um, being affected by homelessness. But this is a real issue. There's a real inequality here in terms of the generational gap, but also single households and how difficult it is for them to get into the the housing market. The other figures that I think are quite startling in the the support in the report are that um, we had the biggest increase between 2015 and 2019 across the European countries surveyed in the number of young adults living at home in Ireland. And that's sorry, the young being under 40. So again, we've this generation, as Aoife talked about, having to move back home. And then the questions are rising. What does that mean for those, for example, having relationships, starting families, you know, their own independence, their impact on their self-esteem, their mental health. Um, And the other figure is that we have this huge drop in home ownership. Um, So we've some have gone back home, but others then stuck renting. And the issue with renting in Ireland, as you as described there, is that it's not secure. So you have people who are being evicted like Aoife. They can't set up a home. If they could set a home up a home permanently and affordably within the private rental sector, then they wouldn't be under the same pressure to buy. All right. We have so to I leave it there, there Rory. Solutions yeah. there. Thank you very much for joining us, Rory Hearn, who's Assistant Professor in Social Policy. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk. At Maynooth University.